Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Welcome again to RUF tonight. It's great to be with you. Thanks for coming. I know this is, just keeps getting to, this is like the first wave of tests and stuff for a lot of you, so I appreciate you coming out and being with us. And uh, as you guys know, RUF is a Christian community, and uh, it's a place for those uh, who may not be Christians to explore what Christian faith is. And ask uh, honest questions and uh, go to the source, the Bible, uh, for answers. And it's a place for Christians to come and grow and to uh, learn and to rest and to serve. And uh, so um, hope you will uh, uh, not only continue to come, but uh, continue to think about who you might be able to bring in uh, to this community uh, because we want anyone to come and we welcome anyone. So um, and each week, as you know, we uh, look at the Bible, and this uh, semester we're looking at this book of Ephesians, and we're calling our ser- series Grace Changes Everything, because Paul writes extensively about grace in this book. Uh, he spends, it's six chapters long, and he really just spends like the first three chapters talking about grace and uh, how amazing it is. And uh, side note, uh, next week uh, we're going to have the privilege of having our boy Jay Kell up here. Uh, bringing uh, the word, so uh, definitely come for that and get excited for that. I am personally quite. Um, But uh, before I read the text, I'll just point out that uh, this is a book where Paul's talking a lot, quite a bit about like the distinction between Jew and Gentile, and uh, Paul was Jewish. Uh, He grew up Jewish, uh, he was a Jewish leader, and he was actually an enemy of the church when it first started, an enemy of Jesus until he met Jesus. And he becomes, uh, amazingly, like this apostle to the Gentiles. He's sent to uh, tell the Gentile, non-Jewish people, about Jesus and bring them in. And that's a lot of what uh, this text is about. So let me read it for us from up here. Uh, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Uh, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray one more time. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come now to your word, uh, we come from a lot of different places. Some of us are worn out and some of us are feeling good. Uh, Some of us uh, come uh, in faith and some with uh, many doubts. And uh, no matter who we are and uh, where we're coming from tonight, we pray that you'd meet us there and uh, that you'd change us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I had uh, what I consider the privilege of growing up uh, in the faith, in the church, uh, with parents who believed. And uh, so I grew up, you know, my story is that there wasn't really a day when I didn't consider myself to be a Christian. And uh, I consider that to be a great privilege. And uh, so I was kind of like the kid in church that was always like at the youth group things. And and in my height, I went to... I grew up in New Jersey mostly, and I went to public school. And uh, in my high school, there was this Bible study that met on Thursday mornings, like before classes start, so pretty early in the morning. And it had been going on for like years. Like someone, some student in the high school would just like be in charge of it, and only a handful of people would go. Uh, and it was kind of passed down. And so I went to it some when I was like a sophomore in high school, and I can. Uh, remember that the guy who was leading it was graduating and he, he approached me and he was like, Lucas, I want you to lead. I think you should lead this. And I can remember being like, feeling like, yeah, I probably should, but like, crap, I don't want to lead this thing. And because there's nothing cooler in public high school than like leading a Bible study, right? And, uh, but I became that guy. And what that meant was like on Wednesday afternoons on the announcements over the loudspeaker, they would be like, you know, Bible study is tomorrow. Talk to Lucas Dorado. If you're, and I was just kind of like, I was glad to be doing it, but also just like aware that it was not a way to be cool in high school. And uh, so for me, that's, you know, for a long, that was for a long time my experience where it was like, I don't, like, I believe this, but it's hard to believe. It's hard to stand out. And it just, you know, it's hard, especially when it seems like not many people around you care. Uh, it's hard sometimes when people treat you different, differently if they know that you uh, are a Christian or believe in Jesus. And I, sometimes people change the way they act around you, especially if you're like me, like, a pa- like I tell people I'm a pastor and it sometimes makes things weird. And there's all these things that are kind of just hard and that make us uh, want to kind of downplay our faith and be like, you know, I don't need to. Not everyone, I know for many of you that this is your experience where it's like things change when I let people know what I believe. And maybe you're here thinking like, well, why would I believe? And, you know, against that backdrop, you know, we have this, we have Paul who's writing from prison because he cares so much about this message. And all, you know, he had planted this church in Ephesus and now he's in prison because he's a Christian. And, but he can't stop overflowing with this gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want us to think about why that is. And I think he gives us some good insights in this passage. And it comes through this idea of a mystery. And in verse 6, he says, This mystery uh, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And when he uses that word mystery, it's more like, not that we use a mystery in a slightly different way, but he's talking about like something that's revealed, like a truth that you can be brought into. And it's kind of like a surprise almost. Like you get brought in and it's like, wow, this is 
actually amazing. Uh, so I turned 36 this year, kind of getting old, but uh, when I can still remember, the, probably the best birthday I can remember in recent years is my 30th birthday, uh, six years ago now. And uh, my wife, Maggie, uh, orchestrated an amazing surprise for me. And it, uh, RUF used to meet on Thursday nights and we, back then, and we met in Wilbur Cross, and uh, we had a normal RUF like this, and at the end, uh, the best man from my wedding walks in, like one of my best friends of all time. And it, so my birthday was like coming, you know, it was like, I think my birthday was like Friday or Saturday, and this was Thursday night. And, and so the best man from my wedding walks in, I'm just like, what the heck? Like, and I'm like, this is great. And Maggie just totally surprised me. And, and so after RUF, we were like, you know, the three of us, we had no kids at the time. And, we were like, let's go, like, let's go to West Hartford and like get some food. And so we went to West Hartford, which happens to be kind of near the airport. And so we hung out for a while late at night. And then she's like, you know, let's go to the airport. I'm like, what? And like, we went and picked up two more of like my best friends of all time. And then like, so I'm like, this is so like three of my best friends are here for my birthday. And then like Saturday morning comes around and like two more of my best friends of all time show up at our house. They had rented a car and flown in, and, you know, it just kept on getting better. Like, I, it was good when the one friend came, and then, like, it was, like, going to be the best birthday ever already, and then it was just, like, more and more, you know, and so it's me and my wife and these amazing friends, and it just didn't get any better than that. Um, that's kind of, like, what the experience of what Paul is describing, where it's, like, this one thing is good, but wait, this keeps getting better. Uh, and when he uses this word unsearchable riches in verse 8, uh, it's like he's saying, like, you can't, it's unable to be tracked out. Like, you can't get to the bottom of how good this is. But at the same time, Paul's saying, like, I've gone pretty far down that rabbit hole, and it's amazing. He's saying, you guys need to hear about everything that's been revealed to me about what God is doing. And so... Uh, he's talking about these surprises that build on each other. So we're going to look at the surprises. And the first surprise is the backwardness of the gospel, uh, that God likes to work through the unlikeliest people, namely Paul. Uh, he talks about himself in verse 8 as the very least of all the saints. And what you need to see is that he's not, he's not like being humble and exaggerating, like, yeah, I'm the worst of all the saints. He's not like, and he's not belittling himself either. He's just straight up saying what's true. And he has this humble confidence. And it just comes from knowing Jesus and finding grace. Um, you know, on one hand, he's got this humility. Like, he is, like, if anybody should be out, it should be Paul. Like, if anybody should be, like, God just, like, moves out of the way and casts out, it should be Paul. Because Paul was very clearly an enemy of God. Like, he was actively seeking to thwart Jesus. But on the other hand, so Paul's like, that is me. And yet he has this confidence in knowing what Jesus has done to rescue. Like, he's like, Jesus died for me. So, like, I'm in. Like, that's who I am, and I'm in. And so do you see how it's this humble confidence where he's speaking boldly? And we typically usually, like, we have one or the other usually. 
usually like it's you know sometimes we have the confidence like i'm kind of awesome of course god would love me look how great i am of course god can use me um or we have the opposite which is like you know i kind of suck look at what i've done I don't want anyone to find out these secrets that, you know, what I've done, what I've thought, what I've said, what my life is really like. You know, God could definitely not use me. But Paul's different because he's encountered Jesus. Like he's, on one hand, radically honest about who he was and is and what he's done. And he goes like, if you, if you want to like check, read Romans chapter 7. This is like not from the, his past life where he still details the struggle with sin. And he says things like, I want to do what's right, but I can't. Yet, he's still confident that what Jesus has done for him is enough. So much so that he's now like, you know, I'm God's mouthpiece. Like he's speaking through me. That's how confident Um, What the gospel proclaims is that if you've encountered Jesus, if you know his grace, which says, I know all the things you've done, and I still died to make them right, then God can use you powerfully. On your best day or on your worst day. Um, We live in a world that wants you to hide. The world we live in says, like, don't reveal that. People can't find out what you're really like. You should hide. But the gospel, what the gospel reveals is that when that stuff is actually brought out into the open, God meets it with love. Because Jesus paid for it. And he'll transform you. And people will say, look how amazing God is. Uh, So I wonder for you, what is it for you tonight? What is the thing that you would cover about yourself that God, because he's surprising, is inviting you to say, own it and come experience my grace. Okay, so that's blowing Paul's mind. Like, this is amazing in itself. Like, there's a God who likes to use bad people and love them and change them. But what's blowing Paul's mind now even more, so second surprise, uh, is that, uh, verse 6, God's mission is actually to renew the whole world. Uh, Verse 6, the Gentiles, he says, are fellow heirs. Um, And if you know, if if you lived in that time, what you would kind of know about God and gods and religions is that every kind of people group had their own God. And a lot of that still exists today. Like there's, you know, a lot of religions are kind of centered among people groups like Islam in the Middle East or Shinto in Japan or Buddhism in parts of Asia and things like that. And Christianity is really different from that because there isn't a center of Christianity and there's not a people group of Christianity. And that's what's amazing Paul so much. Uh, While every other religion is on some level like an attempt to reach God or an attempt to reach enlightenment, Christianity is at its essence about God reaching the world, renewing every part of the world. And so if you become a Christian, what it means is that you're entering into this story uh, that finally makes sense of the world we live in. It's a story where everything sad about the world becomes untrue and becomes made right, and life becomes uh, the way it's supposed to be, where Jesus is king. Uh, One of my favorite old movies, really old movies, is Karate Kid. Anybody seen the original Karate Kid? Oh, wow! 
yes, and they've like remade it, I think with Jaden Smith, right? And, uh, but the original's the best, and if you know the original, it's about Daniel LaRusso, and Daniel LaRusso is kind of this like dorky kid, and he mo- his family moves, and so he has no friends, and his first friend is this uh, karate guy named Mr. Miyagi, and he befriends Mr. Miyagi, and um, he, Mr. Miyagi says, I'm going to teach you karate, and Daniel's like, okay, great, because <laughs> he's got to defend himself against all these bullies, and so Mr. Miyagi has him over, and, and he starts doing all these chores for Mr. Miyagi, right, like waxing his car, remember, like wax on, and wax off, and, and then he paints Mr. Miyagi's fence, and and he's spending all this time painting and after a while Daniel like loses it and he's like you, you said you were going to teach me karate and, and one of the greatest moments in American cinema happens because Mr. Miyagi says show me wax on wax off and Daniel goes like this he does the moves and what you realize as you're watching is that he has actually learned karate moves through and he goes show me paint the fence and it's this karate move that he's going to use. And so, like, Daniel thought he was doing one thing, and he was really, like, doing something so much more, okay? This is a ridiculous illustration, I know. But what's been revealed to Paul is that Christianity is way more than he thought. It's way more than a religion to help some people. Like, help one people group know God or something like that. It's totally different than every religion. The point of it all is that God's renewing the whole entire world and extending his grace uh, to all corners of the world, even places like Connecticut. And what it means is that there's going to come a day when Jesus is the king and everyone will bow. Everything will be right. There won't be sadness anymore uh, because he's fixing everything that's wrong. And Jesus is the focal point. And that makes Christianity really exclusive uh, because it's saying it's Jesus. that like There is a real problem. There is real sin and brokenness, and only Jesus can fix it. Like Life is only found in him. But Christianity is also so inclusive because it fits into every culture and every situation. Like, there's not a person that it doesn't apply to because we're all a mess, and it's for people that are a mess. It doesn't matter what nationality you are or whatever. Like, it's for people that need to be fixed. Um, so that's the second surprise. Uh, it's for everyone. God is extending his grace to the whole world. But the biggest surprise that's blowing Paul's mind even more is that it's happening through the church. Uh, the key, there's this key verse in verse 10. Uh, he says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, I want you to imagine being, imagine being God for a second. Uh, you create a wonderful world. It's perfect, and the pinnacle of your creation is the people you've made, and you love them, and they're your pride and joy, and everything is going great until they turn on you, the people you love that you created, uh, because they don't want you telling them how to live, even though you're the only one who knows because you made everything, and because the people turn on you who you're the life source, and they turn on you, so everything 
in the world gets messed up and it becomes unlifelike in many ways. And people are spreading throughout the world and multiplying and the life is getting sadder and sadder and sadder. And it's all rooted in them rebelling against the life source, against God, which is in this case us. You know, we're pretending we're God. Uh, How would you go about fixing it? The world you created that you love. I think if I were God, I would kind of come in and just start whacking people or something like that. Flipping out and yelling. But what God does instead is he says, I'm going to show some people what I'm like. And how much I, on one hand, on one hand, I'm extremely holy and perfect and yet I'm a God of love. And I'm a God that loves so much that I'll die to fix it. And so you show this group of people that about yourself. And those people are going to get together and spread this message. And that group of people is going to be called the church. And slowly, more and more people are going to experience this love and this grace. And they're going to be brought into this community. And their relationships are going to start to get fixed. And life is going to start being more like it's supposed to be. And it's this model of what community and people could be like if they remembered what God is like, if they remembered his love. Uh, That's really what we want RUF to be. Uh, A community of people that have remembered that God is is love. Uh, That God pursues sinners in grace. And he's a God who's going to make everything right. And this is also why church is a big, big, big deal. This is why we make a big deal out of church in RUF. You know, church is far from perfect. The whole point of it is that it's not perfect and that there's weird things about every church and that the church is challenging. Uh, But this is saying the church is at the center of everything that God is doing. And it's frankly a miracle that the church has even lasted this long. Like that's proof that God must be doing something with it because the church continues on. Like God sustains the church because this church is really at the center of everything he's doing. So uh, church is kind of different in college because you kind of live in two places. But uh, you should really find a church that you can go to. Come to church with us. And when you leave this, when you leave UConn, you definitely need to find a church and commit to being part of a, this community because it's, it's at the center of what God is doing. Um, I, love, I love what it says about, uh, did you catch this part about the rulers and authorities and the heavenly places? Uh, what that is saying is that, like, that's talking about, like, angels and whatever is out there that we don't exactly know a lot about. And what it's saying is that, like, what God is doing through the church is that there's, like, angels out there and other, who knows. And as the church spreads on this earth, they're going, wow, God is amazing. He's way better than anything we could ever, like this is way better than anything we could have thought of. And that's why we need to be serious about the church. So uh, what makes the Christian life worth living, you know, what makes me able to live and be excited about being Christian is that I'm part of something much bigger than I could have ever imagined. I'm a part of the best thing ever. But there's a final surprise in this passage. 
Uh, and the final surprise we see at the end is that suffering can be transformed into glory. This is a big surprise because as we've said over and over, Paul's writing as a prisoner here. Like he's like probably chained to someone or something as he, he writes or dictates this letter. And he says, don't lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for, which is your glory. Okay, here's what he's saying. Uh, because of this mystery, the surprise of God's grace, uh, because I've, you know, found that the scope of God's love is so much bigger than I thought, because I'm part of the story that's so much better than I thought, and because the story is true, uh, what that means is that every trial... Every suffering, whatever we go through that's hard and awful as Christians in the world can only make the story better. Can only make the story better. Uh, my kids are at the age, my kids are about to be three and five and a half. And uh, we watch a lot of like Frozen, Frozen 2, Finding Nemo, A Bug's Life. These movies where like they're for kids, but they have like suspenseful parts. And my son, Asher, who's almost three, is really scared. Like, whenever, like, a scary character comes on, he, like, runs and finds, like, me or Maggie. And he wants to hold on to someone during the scary part still. And Margo's five, and so she's a little, like, she's getting used to that. And she's actually coming to the realization that, like, she's like, oh, like, because we say, like, doesn't it, haven't you seen this before? Like, it's a happy ending, right? Like, you know, it turns out well in the end. And she's kind of like, huh, like, it seems like the scary parts kind of make the story better. And it's like, yeah, they do, actually. Like, if there weren't any scary parts, you wouldn't need to watch, right? Uh, and, you know, that's how all we have this love-hate relationship with the twists in the plot in any story, right? Because it's like, on one hand, it's like, I want the resolution. But on the other hand, uh, it's not that good of a story if something hard and difficult and challenging and scary doesn't happen ever. And that's really, you know, like a lot of people ask this question, why does God allow suffering? I don't know the full answer to that, but one reason I do know is that God can take suffering and turn it into glory. And he can make, us, he can make the, the end product of the story better through the suffering. Uh, we can suffer because we know how our story ends. You know, that's what, that's what we always say to our kids. Like, you know how it's going to end. So you can endure the scary part. Like, the, our ending is really, really, really good. Uh, it end, this, this story ends with us in the arms of our creator. This ends with every tear being wiped from every eye. And if we're part of the story in which God's taking sinners in and loving them and transforming them, and making it beautiful again, making our world beautiful again, then we can be the weird Christian that people avoid or people just think is weird, or we can be misunderstood, or we can uh, miss out on some things in life as we follow Jesus, or we can endure loneliness, or we can allow uh, hardest things in our lives to be exposed. We can love people that are as difficult to love as we are. We can do it all. And it's, it will be part of the best story ever written.
That's what Paul invites us into. This is why Paul, from prison, can care as much as he does. So let's pray uh, to close. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, desperately need to be brought in uh, further down uh, the path, uh, further into the surprise of your grace. Uh, Show us more of you, we pray. Uh, Show us more of your goodness. Uh, Would your goodness penetrate our hearts more uh, so that Uh, we can be equipped to live full lives, uh, lives where uh, suffering is turned to glory and uh, where enemies of uh, God become friends of God and extend his grace. Uh, We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.